So I, I did well in school. I did well enough to be able to take a couple months off at the end and do my senior search project. And I chose to paint a mural. And it was like a four by 16 foot mural. And so I did that and I enjoyed it so much. I was just like, this is what I want to feel when I'm an adult. Mm. Like, I want to be doing this. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. We know the journey is the journey. Whether you are a savant doing museum shows at 18 or you're hitting the festival circuit with your prints at 60, your life and your art go hand in hand and we love to see it all. MFAs, the folk artists, it don't matter. As long as you're making that noise and bring more art into the world, that's all we care about and we celebrate it. And when you watch the exhibit on MTV and the Smithsonian Channel, you see seven different artists competing for $100,000 like Don Matisse say, $100,000 <laughs> and a show at the legendary Hirshhorn Museum in D.C., you get to see artists making work based on a theme, but bringing their experience to the work. And yes, your boy Jay Barber's up there. I know you see me up there. It's your boy. Yeah, <laughs> you see me up there. But today we got another one of the stars of the show, Miss Jennifer Warren on the show, the self-taught artist out of Chicago. You've seen her win the first challenge and continue to whip out her amazing oil paintings on every episode. Jennifer joins the show to talk more about her everyday life that's not on TV, not in 4K where you can see it all, just the regular everyday stuff, how she gets it done. We talk about her developing her art while working a corporate job and kind of the pluses and minuses of both of those things. What she sees as the art career she wants and much, much more. Plus all that we get into reflections about what we feel about the show and how interesting it is seeing yourself on TV, all that good stuff. So y'all get to see the gin that I got to see while we were shooting the show so it's all that and more right here on the noise baby it's studio noise noise with a z the voice of black art coming to you bringing you the very best in black contemporary art museums to galleries to mtv baby <laughs> everywhere wherever you see the folks making stuff happen you know we're gonna be right there and that studio noise presented by black art in america the kindred show is now open at the black art america gallery that's 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. Kevin Johnson and Akinola Taib showed out with a fantastic group show. They just walk into the space. You get to see all the portraits. It's really fantastic, yo. They're beautifully painted, full of vibrancy and color. Very different styles in terms of what they're communicating. Some about nature, some about everyday life. Like, it's, it's really something. Like, it's a really great show. A lot of red dots going around, baby. <laughs> People are snatching them things up, but it's still a lot for you to see. Still a lot for you to come and add to your collection. So come on down to the gallery, walk around the garden, come see some great art. Just be a part of the whole vibe that we got going down there. Studio Noise is shooting episodes right there at the gallery. So you make sure you come by. If you ever see me in there, come stop and holler at your boy. Yo, let's get it on camera. Chop it up about anything you want to talk about. We'll talk about it. And that's the Black Art America Gallery. Again, 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. Go to blackartamerica.com to learn more. And after the break, you've seen us on the exhibit, chopping it up. And we got the wonderful 
Jennifer Warren right here. It's the noise, baby. Yes. Hey everybody, it's Najee Dorsey, artist, collector, founder, and CEO of Black Art in America, and you're listening to Studio Noise. Yes, it's your boy Jay Barber, back with you, Studio Noise podcast, the voice of Black Art. I know y'all seen it. Y'all seen the show, the exhibit on MTV and the Smithsonian Channel, features seven amazing artists competing for opportunity to win to get a show at the Hirschhorn and one hundred thousand dollars like Dama T say one hundred thousand dollars man but we're right now on the podcast we got one of the stars of the show we got Jennifer Warren right here on the podcast with me how you doing girl hey I'm good yo good alive to, yeah <laughs> alive look how black people talk to each other <laughs> Yeah, she she doing good, yo. You shining on the show, girl. You up there looking good, making art, getting fans. How you feel? I feel good. You know, it's kind of surreal, honestly, to watch yourself. And like, you know, I think we're experiencing it together. And there's so much of it that I don't, I didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much that I never saw, like the crit sessions. I mean, I'm actually learning a lot watching it. Yeah. Um. And just you know, I think people are like, "Well, you know what's going to happen," and I'm like, "I know about thirty percent of what's going to happen <laughs> when I watch this. Like, I need everybody to be quiet when we're watching the show." Yeah, yeah. We for those that don't know, we shot it like you know, my my students were asking me like, "Oh, do you go up every weekend and shoot the show?" No, I'm not going up every weekend to shoot no show. We shot this last <laughs> year. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's funny how people think <laughs> think the stuff is happening live. But no, we we already shot it. We got together and we spent about a month and some change together, like getting to know each other and doing all the challenges and going through the whole production. So all that part of it is over. But now we, we like you said, we watching it on TV <laughs> just like y'all. Like we you know, see see your whole life chopped and screwed together right there on TV. Like and and you won one of the challenges. So in that first episode, yo, what was you thinking when you watched it? I mean, I was nervous before every episode. I get anxious and nervous. Like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Even though I kind of know, like I have a good idea, I'm still just like, man, how are how is it gonna look? And like, what did I say? <laughs> I think that's one of the big things. Is like, yeah. what were the words that came out of my mouth? <laughs> And did they make sense? Like, how ridiculous am I going to look trying to explain this? Like, what about when they tell me, you know, the the negative part of the critique and like, how crazy am I going to be looking? Um, And then also to your other point, sorry, before I answer that, uh, people do the same thing to me. They're like, so what are you flying back and forth from DC? Like, what? Kind of, it's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah, like, yo, you know how expensive that would be? <laughs> I know. And my, even my dad was like, how are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And I'm just like, you, what do you think we were doing last year? I'm like, you were on the show. And he was like, what? And I was just like, oh my God, That's what is funny. happening? That's what funny. is happening? Um, 
yeah, so I had to like go and explain to him the whole thing. He was like shocked when he saw himself on TV, but I was just like, but remember we've been talking about this. <laughs> so that was like, a, that made me a little bit scared and nervous for him. But yeah. also I was just like, did I, I don't even, I, I honestly like, you know, I think a lot of people, there's a disconnect between production and then actually what you're watching on tv yeah um yeah so yeah yeah I, to that I, point yeah I, I tell my my wife uh, about that a lot because like as i'm sitting and watching it i i'm remembering what happened and then it's the tv version <laughs> of what happened and so it's right. like it's it's just it's weird to try to figure out like what is the story that they're telling because that's what you got to get to too it's like part of it is like you aren't the ultimate arbiter of the story like somebody else is. That's what they do. So they got reason for all the stuff they do. And I think they put together, I, honestly, I think it's a good show. Like I watch a lot of reality yeah. TV. And honestly, I think like they they managed to take a lot of it. And, you know, the little parts about the stuff that's not there that we know, like nobody else really knows. <laughs> but like, I guess they didn't think it was essential to the story. You know what I mean? But I, th- mm-hmm. I still think overall, I think it's a great show. Like production value was much higher than I think I was expecting. And I think the mm-hmm. the way they did put together and they attempted to show us as human beings, you know what I'm saying? To show all our different processes. And it's so many people, it's hard to do it. <laughs> it's hard to do it. So I don't envy them like that task. But I think they put together something pretty good, Joe. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, you know, I, I had... um so I don't watch reality TV. I don't even watch TV. I actually had to buy a TV. Oh for Lord, this. girl, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what we're gonna get. Like, I don't even. I mean, anybody be like, oh, do you watch like you know Real Housewives? I'm like, no, I don't watch anything. They're like, well, what do you watch? I'm like, nothing, because <laughs> I don't have. I, I don't have a TV. I literally just bought a TV weeks before the premiere and i've connected it with a a hulu and then i upgraded my hulu account but even for the show i have to go to my friend's house i've been going to her house every friday and like ordering chicken and just like (laughs) sitting there with my friends and watching it when it comes on and like that's been great because i get to hang out with them and hear their opinion and everything yeah on the commercial breaks and stuff. But yeah. other than like, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I didn't even know it was real until they were <laughs> like, Oh, like we're working with um, Paramount. And like, I would the whole time I was like, this is, is it even going to happen? Like, I just was like, that's something I just did. <laughs> it just like, I don't even know what, where it's going to go. If it's going to yeah. go anywhere. It just didn't feel real until it was like in the New York times. And then I was like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. You was up there. Yo, strutting, strutting through the Hirsch on yo. That was a great picture too, of us up there. Yeah. Yeah. At that point I'm like, I guess I need to look nice because it just does <laughs> actually like, I'm like I'll be, I was like, I'll be feeling stupid if it like launches. And then I just didn't even try to, look good yeah so i'm like let me just go ahead and put the effort in and we'll see what happens i won't regret that and i don't i'm glad i did um but yeah back to your question so i mean honestly i was shocked like i like i'm telling you when i first came in there i think that they did great with like expressing how i felt coming into that um knowing uh or not knowing who everybody was going to be or like the premise or anything right um because you know i'm coming and thinking i was going to be with like my peers which are like emerging artists and people who are 
working full time, trying to transition their life. And that I was the only person in that situation. So then I was like, wow, okay, there's two ways I can look at this. I can be scared as hell and nervous as hell every single day. Or I can be like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, <laughs> I'm still here. Like I'm here in this room, you know, at the very start of like my art career as not a full-time artist, somehow, some way, like I fell through the cracks and they picked me up <laughs> and like, I, and I, the I, well, I'm just like, I, I felt empowered by that yeah. after, you know, a little bit. And I was just like, this is not going to be this. This isn't going to be um, a sad narrative for me. Like, this isn't going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm here with these great people. Like, no, no. It's like I'm here, and yeah. look at where I am. Yeah, and I, I and I think that's exactly how you should feel. I mean, you know, when when we met it on the show, that's why. I, I mean, you belong on the show. We on the same place. <laughs> like, no matter. <laughs> No matter what happened, like we are both on this TV show. So like it is what it is. And so I, I never held that against you that you were self-taught or nothing like that. I actually think that's a great part of your story. A great part of like a lot of artists out here don't go to school and still go on mm-hmm. to get like big time success because it's more about the dedication and, and commitment to your craft and like how well you do the thing, you know? And if you have a mm-hmm. voice and you have like skills, I mean, that that. Uh, trumps everything like at the end of the day Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's just kind of um it's taken me a long time to feel the confidence i think i should be feeling from this because even though i am self-taught i've still been making paintings for 13 years and so it's like i've i've been able to learn and improve a lot even to the point where i could do oil paintings on the set where it's just like, I know typically people would shy away from it in that short amount of time, but I'm just like, no, I'm not going to show Like, this is my medium. I'm going to stick in this medium because this is like the one that I've mastered. And I feel like this is going to be the best way for me to express my skills. And I think it goes like two ways because yeah, I didn't branch out. And I think going back, I don't, I still don't know if I would have tried a different medium on the show, but I was like, this is where my strength is and this is where I'm staying. So I'm going to make it work with the oil paint, even in seven to 10 hours. Oh yeah. I I think that uh, all of us did stick to a version of what we did. Right. Frank does acrylic paint. It's like he came through, he did his thing and that was it. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. it. Frank was straight, Frank was straight up. Yo, I love working beside Frank and seeing him like make his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yo, he's straight up. He does what he does and that's it. Yo. You're going to get Frank every time on the campus. And so, like, I think we all did that. Like, when I did my work, like, I I switch mediums a lot because I get bored. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I hate doing the same thing over and over. So I think people saw that on the show. Like, me trying, like, Mm -hmm. all kinds of different stuff. Like, the experimentation, like, that's part of who I am. And so I think it's it's not, I want to say it's commendable that you did it. But I think it's, like, you. It's true to who you were. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're an oil painter. Like, boom. <laughs> so if they ask you to make art, more than likely you're going to make an oil painting. It's true. Um, but yeah, but also like I was inspired by that, like seeing everybody do so many different things, like watching Claire work with the wax medium and you do 
um, printing and then the fear of making a blanket. I'm like, I want to learn how to sew. <laughs> and, you know, I've changed it up since I've come back. Like I was, I'm like, I want to branch out and do more mixed media stuff, but I just didn't want to do it in that situation. Oh yeah. Yeah. With a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> online. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I'm not trying to make a collage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's, um, that's real, yo. So it's interesting, like the perspectives and kind of, at the end of the episode, they kind of threw you through you in there, you know, saying how you felt that a lot of people weren't expecting you to win. And like, even mm-hmm. you, you've hinted on it a little bit here about a, a little bit of imposter syndrome and kind of in terms of comparing yourself to what you think other people are doing and how mm-hmm. you see yourself in relation to that. Tell me a little bit more about that. And I guess we'll start with how did you get into drawing and then, then tell me about the journey that you've taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I will say imposter syndrome has been something that I've had to work really, really hard to escape from all the time. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it attacked me there, but I got over it. Um, but, you know, backing it up, backing it up. So I always loved to draw as a kid. I didn't grow up in an art house. Like my parents are not artists. They didn't have like a ton of art hanging up. We never talked about art. Um, We didn't like go to museums or anything like that. Um, But it was something that my older brother liked to do. He was very, very good at drawing. Um, And he liked to do like realistic drawings. And so, and he's like eight years older than me. So he was my role model for a a long time, Um, even now still today. And I used to just um, go sit around him and like watch him draw with his colored pencils and stuff. And I was like young and like so amazed by it. Like, wow, like this is awesome. Like this is like that to me was like, um, it was just something I really, really wanted to do as well as he did. You know, like that was what I wanted to like aspire to. Like I want to be an artist like my older brother, even though he wasn't really, it was just a hobby. And, it, and he just happened to be like very good at it. Um, but he didn't pursue it because he felt too pressured to do like other things like sports, basically just sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of just like does his drawings privately and doesn't share them. He won't even show me his drawings. Um, and even his ceramics too, like he would make these intricate like ceramic landscapes, I guess, where he would build these um, like I remember him building a barber shop and having people in it. And his thing was like, he would never finish because he was just like, I just didn't know how to finish an art piece. And it was, it felt like too much pressure and it was just like a lot. So he just kind of stopped doing it like publicly. I mean, by public, I mean, in front of my parents or his teachers <laughs> right? Yeah. and kind of just like moved away from it altogether. So now he's an actor. Um, but I just was like, that was my very first artistic inspiration. I'm just like, I want to be like Willie. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw. He bought me my first set of nice colored pencils. So I just would draw all the time. My grandmother bought me a journal, and it, I just wrote stories and drew pictures to go with them. And that was like from like third grade on to probably like fifth grade. I would make stuff for people and like make like bookmarks and sell them and color on them and stuff and make all kinds of like puzzles and stuff for other kids to do when I was younger. I feel like I was always an entrepreneur, like low key. Like I was always making money somehow. 
<laughs> like I'll make you a bracelet. Yeah. If you give me a dollar, like I know how to make you a keychain. Like I did all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff, like microwaving chip bags, like a lot of like little mixed media kid stuff. Like I'm gonna set the microwave on fire, but it's gonna make a cool little triple that bag. I did that all the time. Um, just like making little things, and I'm like, someone's gonna like this. They're gonna want to buy it. And then uh, when I got into high school, I was like, okay, I really want to do art seriously. I really want to learn more but nobody really was trying to encourage me to do art honestly like that just wasn't on the table um i come from meager means and my parents are just like what are you gonna do be an artist artists don't make any money Mm. and i'm like oh okay so i was like really ashamed to even say that that's what i wanted to do and i'm like no i don't want to be like an artist i want to just like um you know, like <laughs> make work and and I want to have a portfolio. So it was just like me being around the bush and being like, no, an artist, what? No, what are you saying? I didn't even say that. Um, and just not really admitting it out loud and then just being like, okay, no, actually, uh, I'll just take art classes on the side. So I took my first like actual art class when I was in 11th grade. <clears throat> and I just started learning how to use acrylic paint then. And I'm just like, I love this. I mean, from the first painting I did, which was of some flowers, like orchids. And that was the highlight. It's probably the only thing I remember from 11th grade. And I spent a long, like most of the year painting this. And then at the end of the year, you know, they let you, um, your senior year, they let you do a senior search project, which is basically like where you come up with an idea of what you might want to do as a job. And you take the last couple months of school. And instead of taking classes, you just focus on doing some project related to your, to your ultimate, um, profession. And they call it a senior senior search. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and you can only do it if you do well enough in school. So like I did okay, I did well enough in school. I was able to like take that time, that couple months off. I already got into college. And I um I was like, I want my senior search to be a mural. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Now my phone started playing something. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, go, go back. You say you did it, you were doing a repeat that last part. So I, I did well in school. I did well enough to be able to take a couple months off at the end and do my senior search project and i chose to paint a mural and it was like a four by 16 foot mural and so i did that and i enjoyed it so much i was just like this is what i want to feel when i'm an adult Mm. like i want to be doing this Mm -hmm. like not making murals but making art and painting and spending my days like i i came up with that idea to do that project and then i think three or four other people were like we're doing the same thing and so we all got together in this art studio, like into the summer, and we painted our own murals, and it was the best time. It was amazing, and it's like my first um, experience just being around other people where we're all in a room together being creative, and the energy is just like it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just like, this is what I want to do. So I knew it then, but I'm like, I don't know how to tell anybody. <laughs> so yeah I, yeah so i ended up going i i was only allowed to apply to one school because my parents like really didn't have the money so we did one college application like super early 
and I got in and they gave me a scholarship. And so I got like early admissions. So I'm already like, all right, I'm going to Eckerd. It's in Florida. I'll be on the beach for the next four years. It's all good. <laughs> um, since, I, like, since art school was off the table, I'm like, I'm going to the beach then. <laughs> then, you know, and then I'll figure it out. Yeah. So no, I, that makes yeah. sense. So what you end so up studying in school? So I ended up studying um, international business. Okay. Um, that was the most uh, interesting thing because because I am I'm a strategic person, and my strategy with international business was for one it was the most interesting major because you get to learn most about other cultures. Two, the requirement for that major is to study abroad and to learn a language. So I'm like, awesome. Um, so I, I minored in French. So I learned French when I was in college. I keep that secret. Like, don't ever ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Because the thing about languages, and this is why it's not smart to major or minor in a language, because if you don't use it, it goes away. Uh, like right. if it's not something you're born with, you just can't hold on to it if you're not using it regularly. Yeah. Um, and that's so real. It's like, it's never been more real. It's so real that I can't speak French now, but I used to be able to. Um, and I'm not lying, seriously. So like basically I, I took that situation and I was like, I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone because I get the requirements for my classes, but I'm also throwing in art classes. So like any other elective I had was an art class, like Chinese watercoloring, ceramics, you know, but I kind of skipped her art history. So I'm like, that's not hands-on. And I'm already taking these other difficult classes. So mm -hmm. I don't wanna do that too. I don't have time to do that in four years. And so by the time it got to my junior year, it's time for me to go study abroad. So I picked this school in the south of France in, uh, in Aix-en-Provence. And basically you stay with a family there and the families don't speak any English. That's how I know I spoke French because I hadn't talked to them in French every <laughs> single day. And like, um, you know, they, they host students and then, um, that's basically their job is to like help you learn French. That's basically their job is to help you learn French and then take care of you, you know? And so instead of going to a business school there, I'm like, cause I'm already taking French and I'm already studying abroad. I just went to an art school there. And so um, it was like killing like three birds with one stone basically. Yeah. Um, and so I went there for six months and learn how to oil paint on the countryside in France. And that was the most amazing time of my life. Like anybody who ever wanted any advice on what to do when you're in college, mine is study abroad hands down. No, nah, that um, sounds, that sounds awesome. I dream about it. Like I follow them on Instagram and like stalk the pictures. Like I want to be there again so bad. Um, and they took us to Venice for like a 10 day trip and we just did plein air painting just on our own like walking around venice like just setting up your easel and stuff wherever and just painting landscapes and stuff and i was there i met an opera singer and they let us come into their house and paint on their rooftop and stuff it wow. was like out of this world like hands down one of the best times in my life nah that's crazy and, yeah 
um, I didn't want to leave. Like I tried to convince my mom to let me. She's like, we don't have money for that. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, then I came back and I was just like, I can't just let this go away. You know, so I'm back and now I have to go back to my major. It's very much like how it is now. Like we did the show and now I'm back. I got to go back to work. And my job has nothing to do with art and neither did my major. And so I'm just like, now I have this new skill. It's up to me to to keep building it. That's, um, yeah, so that's, that, what that's I did. absolutely true. So, so yeah, I just kept doing it and bought all the stuff I needed. I, I don't plan or paint anymore because it's not practical, especially not in Chicago. Um, but I had moved after I graduated uh, from school, I moved to Seattle and I was there for eight years. And um, during that time is when I really like started teaching myself new stuff and like building up my home studio and just like having a thing set up in my living room. And uh, yeah, I just kind of kept going from there. That's awesome. That's that's a great story, yo. For people to know, like, like when they, when they see you and they just see you painting, they don't know like how much of a journey it was for you to do all those things. And you had this amazing experience and you, and you're really trying to hold on to it. Like as much as you can, like that feeling and fighting against like people in your life that don't quite know like what it, what it feels like <laughs> to create, you know what I mean? Like that, right. that type of thing is. Uh, it's hard to describe any like as artists, like I get it immediately as I hear you talk about it. I hear it in your voice, like, you know, how amazing it must be to just be there outside playing air painting on the hills in France. Like that, that's gotta, that's gotta be amazing. Like it give me chills just thinking about it. And so yeah. a, a lot of like those feelings are part of the art, like as you're making it, like you don't separate that part of it, that, that longing to recreate that longing to uh, make something out of nothing, like the experience of taking a blank canvas and making a painting is, is a part of you in a way that I don't think people give enough credence to. And particularly when you come from like low economic environments, like I grew up in, you know, rural South, rural South, like North Carolina, like poor in the poorest counties in the, in the state. And mm-hmm. nobody there is an artist. Because they don't do art. Like you try to you try to work and get you some land and like do whatever. Like and like everybody's just thinking about survival. They don't even flourish to the point where they can start to think about doing some of the things that we're talking about. Right. And it's just like I maybe never even would have known how how strongly I wanted to be an artist without having that experience. Yeah. Like it really took other people to like put me in that, like to put the canvas and like the paint and the everything in my hands. And even with that experience, like they were very hands off. So like the professor didn't like one-on-one show me how to do this stuff. It was another student that was like, oh, this is how you mix the paint and, and oil. And like, I was, I'm still in touch with her to this day. And I was just like, Mary, like you taught me how to paint. She taught me how to paint in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just, I mean, even to this day, smelling like the smell of turpentine 
sends me right back there. And I know turpentine is strong and like in a minute, after five minutes, it gives me a headache. But at first I'm like, this is the best smell. And then I'm like, oh no, I got to open the window. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody out there, don't, don't just sniff turpentine. I don't recommend it like as a, <laughs> no. as a hobby, but. <laughs> I don't even use it anymore. I don't. <laughs> but no, I understand that feeling. And I, and I like how much of a communal process art can be. And I think we do need that kind of support. Like, you know, I, talk about the Atlanta community a lot and how much uh, it has sustained me in, in my art practice and kept me up for a long time. And it's mostly because there's so many like-minded people, people that feel like you and feel like me. And we happen to get into the same spaces together and we start hanging out and we start to encourage each other. And it, and it becomes much easier to do it when you're not just one person, like, you know, moving against the wind or moving against the crowd where everybody else is going the other way. And you're trying to be mm-hmm. an artist like it, it, it is does make it hard for you to keep going and, and stay up and be confident. Yeah, I'm like a feather in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Yes, it is. It, it is hard. And I think if I hadn't gotten this far, I'd have been I'd have probably stopped doing it years ago, because the thing is, is like getting every little success. It just reminds me that I'm on the right track because I do have to do my artwork in a silo. And most of my friends are not artists. They're professionals, you know, because that's I, I've still had to build a career for myself. I have had to take care of myself since I left since college. And so, you know, it's very real, like having an income, a steady income is like very real for me. And so I think a lot of my connections in my network are just other professional people who work in offices or have corporate jobs. Like I have friends who are engineers and, you know, like court, like just work in marketing and advertising. And like I myself, I'm a fundraiser and I do sponsorship. And it's just like, that is a lot. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of work. It takes like, there's every second that I'm at work, I cannot be doing art. I can't just right. mix them together. It yeah. doesn't work like that. And so what does, what has it looked like for you over the last, like you said, 13 years you've been painting, like how do you make time for it? So it's really like, you know, I know people talk about a flow state, like, Oh, when do you get into the flow state? I don't even get that anymore. I just have to do it when the time comes, which is like after work. So now I have a planner and I write down in my planner, like the days, of the week that I'm going to force myself to come home and at least just start working on something or like put a little bit in. And I know I felt inspired when I heard Bisa Butler talking about her journey because she was a teacher before she became a full-time artist. And she used to have to, you know, paint basically in her free time and she has children and a husband. And so I'm just like, if, you know, it's possible it's possible. And just like hearing those stories really encouraged me to just keep making sure that I do it. And so a lot of times on the weekend, I'm not going out, like I'm working on my, on my paintings. Cause like maybe I had a week that was especially busy or draining and I just couldn't do it after work. Um, but sometimes I just come home and I'm like, okay, what you have to do is just mix the paint like just mix the paint. And I use walnut oil, so it drives super slow. So if I mix the paint today and I don't actually put it on the canvas, I can come back tomorrow and put it on the canvas. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a really slow process. Um, But and it's it also a lot of times just feels forced. Like last year I had a a solo show and um, 
it just it took everything in me to get those paintings done on time like i was working basically 70 or 80 hours a week because like my job doesn't let up because i'm doing something else like Mm -hmm. they still have the same expectations and so you know all kinds of things happen during the time leading up to my show i'm just like i cannot have this stuff done so i just had to like i had to like talk to myself literally out loud when i was walking home like you're gonna go home you're gonna make with some food you're gonna go in the back room and and you're gonna make your shit. Mm, <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> i love it I love it. And I, I'm sure somebody is listening to that and hear that. And that is exactly their experience because it, it is. It does take the, the time it takes. Right. Like it's not, there mm-hmm. are no shortcuts to it, especially when you're trying to like do something that's really great. Like it just takes the time it takes. So like you those hours have to move around and like I, tell me about the solo show, because I would think that the process of you making yourself do it had to have some sort of discovery for you in terms of process or in terms of like ideas around what you were trying to create. But tell me what did your show end up looking like and how did you feel about it? Like afterwards? Um, well, I can tell you off the bat, I was really proud of it. Like I, after seeing everything hung up on the wall, I was like, wow, I did that. And it's it's wild because I feel like you don't give yourself credit for the work that you're doing while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's like you're seeking validation from other people. But for me, it's like I'm so quick to finish something and then just move on to the next thing that I don't even take a second to like actually realize what it is that I did. Mm-hmm. And so for the solo show, I actually brought in 29 pieces of work which I was shocked because I didn't even know I had 29 pieces until I was delivering them. And she was like, Oh, 29. I was like, it's 29. She's like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize. (laughs) I was like, that's a lot. (laughs) And I think, you know, as I'm working on it, I feel like I realized like cranking out these portraits, which I had to do at the same time, you know, because I'm, doing one layer on one piece and then moving that around and putting up another piece and doing another layer and kind of like doing them um, all simultaneously. And then once I finished one, I'm like, Oh, it's done all of a sudden. And cause it kind of, kind of like sneaks up on me like, Oh, I think that was the last thing I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wow. You, and then I finally get to step back and look at it. Cause it's like, I'm in a small room with a four by five foot canvas in front of me. I have to step out of the room into the hallway to actually see it. And like, when that happens, I'm like, this actually might be good. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, when I, as I'm doing it and like, as I'm working on the pieces, I'm like, I, I I think I might be good at this. (laughs) Like, I know that sounds silly, but I really am just like, I don't, Every time I finish a piece, I'm like, wow, look at what I did. And then I go to start another piece and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then <laughs> it's, it's not until like I start that I'm like, I do know what I'm doing. So like each piece kind of just like <laughs> starts from zero and then rebuilds my confidence until I'm like, wait, I am an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just it's funny because it's like after i finished you know one or two of them of those portraits that i had for that show 
like by the time I got to the what third and fourth the show? one, I, so it was uh, it was called Matters of the Dark, and then it was kind of split into two parts where I had because there was two rooms. So one room was all portraits of black women in my life that are women who are closest to me that like I love um, my mother, my sister, my best friends that I've had my whole life, um, and then a portrait of myself and. I, I want to say they were eight portraits all together, all four by five feet and all from photos that I took of them. So like we set up, uh, you know, photo shoots for each one of them. And I just, I was like, you know, I think we need to celebrate each other while we're still here. And like, I wanted them to have that experience of being celebrated like that and like seeing themselves in, in a portrait, like hung in a gallery, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of similar to what uh, Kehinde Wiley did. And also uh, Michelin Thomas with her photographs and collages of black women and, and you know, using them as a, as a muse. Well, not using them, but calling them muse. And that to me is so powerful. And I'm just like, if I'm going to do my first show, like I want it to be personal. So that's why I decided to make a room with just all those women there who have supported me throughout my life. And then the other room was from paintings from um, some NFT projects I did and, and then some other surreal abstract work that kind of all just like tied together to explain like matters of the dark. It's a little depressing, but also it's an uplifting journey. No, so this sounds like a sounds like a great show. It sounds like you you came with a a lot of different stuff. And so as you were doing it, do you like the portraits more or the surreal stuff more? Or is it or is it even a comparison or is it just like switching between uh two different modes or based on how you feel? Yeah, I don't think it's a comparison. I mean, I think I like them all equally and I feel like with the surreal stuff or with the abstract stuff, I can um like make a bigger statement or a different statement than I do with the portraits. Like, I think the portraits are kind of personal about like my relationship with that person that I'm painting Mm -hmm. and, you know, just making a statement about just intimate moments of black life in general. But I feel like I have a lot of freedom with the surreal stuff and with the abstract stuff to kind of just express who I am and like what I'm seeing going on around me. Um, and, you know, to the point earlier about getting bored and switching things up, I think that's my version of like, I'm bored, so I need to paint something else. Like, I can't just do one thing. Right. That's what's up, yo. And so if you were to, if you were to have a career, <laughs> this, mm-hmm. this is random, and then like they offer you to do a show, what would your show look like? Would it look like that or would it be just abstracts or just the portraits? I honestly think it would be a little bit of a mix. Like it would, it would be the same theme, Mm -hmm. but I think I might throw some different genres in there. Um, And I've thought about this because I am thinking about a new series that I'm about to start. It's not for anything because no one's asked for it, Um, but it's just something I wanted to do. And it has to do with like with transportation and Afrofuturism And just like, I take public transportation every day. And a lot of times it's a little scary 
here in Chicago. Um, but I still do it. And I'm like, I can see how this could go really negatively or really positively for me, like moving myself to the next point in life mm -hmm. or just choosing to be stuck here on this subway or on this bus um, or whatever. And so I think I've just kind of been trying to think about like, what does transportation mean for me? Like, what does it mean for other people who look like me? Um, and what does it mean for people even who don't look like me, you know, and how is it connected to the future, basically? Um, and so when I started it, I was like, okay, the first piece I did was of a DeLorean. And that has a lot of meaning for me. Um, because I, I grew up watching Back to the Future. I love it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. Yeah. It's super powerful to me to think about a DeLorean as a mode of transportation to the future. Um, Literally, but like, to the future, yeah. Yes, but like the black version. And so at first, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a person in here and do this. But then I started painting. I'm like, this looks so cool without anybody in it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put a person in this. It's just, this is a mixed media piece and it is what it is. So like for the next piece, I'm like, okay, I want to be inside of a bus and I want to make it like a futuristic bus. And I want to add like a little bit of like, you know, African wax print to the seats and like do some different stuff with it. But I don't know if there's going to be anybody in it or not <laughs> until I'm doing it. Um, and then also I'm just like, well, how wild and crazy are we going to get with this in terms of transportation? I mean, even thinking about the last episode of the exhibit, a coffin mm -hmm. was the transportation. I'm like, damn, I, I think I need a coffin and a hearse. And, you know, and then I'm just like, well, you know, growing up, I used to watch Star Trek all the time with my dad. And like, that was super influential for me. I love Star Trek like my whole life. And I've probably seen every episode and I know it's like nerdy, but like that was like our bonding time. It's like watching Star Trek. I ain't nothing wrong with and, that. Huh? I ain't oh, wrong I know. With that. Yeah. <laughs> and and in Star Trek, you know, they have um the teleportation thing. Yeah. yeah. Where you stand there and you just kind of beam up. And they're like, beam me up. And I'm just like, well, what about that? I mean, that it could be easily a surreal piece, like multi like multimedia. Um, and then I'm just like, there's so many different forms of transportation I could actually put, like, bring into this that why I can't imagine keeping it all under one genre. Black Art in America is the place to buy and learn about art on April 7th, Fathers and Father Figures Friday. 6 30 to 8 p.m join jim alexander kevin williams and your boy jamal barber for a conversation about the role of fathers and father figures and cultivating artistic talents and freedom of self-expression for the children moderated by ramal toon author of i wish my dad the power of vulnerable conversation between fathers and sons make sure you come through at atlanta's home for black art the Black Art America Gallery, that's 1802 Connolly Drive, East Point, Georgia. Go to blackartinamerica.com to learn more. This is Maya Bailey, community builder, artist, painter, illustrator. You listen to Studio Noise. Peace.
sounds good. And it's and another reason I like it because it's not at all what I would expect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like, you know, like exploring these different themes and like following these different subject matters, but adding that little bit of you into it, I think is important. Like funny, Star Trek, uh, when a video, a video store, VCR tape store closed down when I was a little kid, my dad bought the whole series of Star Trek. And I used to watch those videos on VHS tape <laughs> at my house. And so I'm a big fan of Star Trek, too. Just so, just so you know, we we own the same page with that one. I, I think a lot of black people are like honestly. I feel like Star Trek is a, was like a huge part of like the black culture. People our age and even and older, you know. And that was one of the first shows to um, like branch out with diversity in their in their casting. So I think it was like a really important show for the era. Yeah, for sure. I think so. And and it, and it was a good show. Like, you know, you get to, you know, tune in to see the giant orb floating through space and you got to fight it. <laughs> like, you know, that's <laughs> a good time. Yeah. 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 But that's what's up, yo. So I I like to hear this and I like to hear it from you because I'm, I'm, I want to know more about like how you look at and how you see yourself as an artist, like in this time, because you're balancing between kind of this work job that you like. I don't know how committed to you are, but you are giving them all your time and being an artist, but you're trying to make time for at the same time. Like if in, in your own perfect world, what is your version of being an artist? Like as a career, as you see it, mm-hmm. I would say at some point I would have to fully make the transition because it is, I, I do have to give my full self to work when I'm at work and it's hard. And at a certain point, and I feel like I may have actually hit that point where I can't really advance anymore and continue to do my art. It has to be one or the other um, just because of the energy that it requires to go past where I am right now in my career. And Are you I, talking about your corporate career or your art career? My corporate career. Okay. And you know, it's, it's kind of getting to the same point with my art actually too, where it's like, there's going to be a breaking point where I'm not going to be able to do the things I want to do and work. And so, you know, just getting into that, I think some of the things that I know that I want to eventually do with my art is, um, you know, overarching goal, build generational wealth for my family. And I know that that's hard with art. Mm-hmm. It might be easier to do it with a career, but it will take my whole life. Um, but ultimately I don't want my nieces and nephews and like any children that I might have to have to go through the same thing that I am going, like I've gone through like being a feather in the wind. And like, you know, I want them to have agency um, to be able to do the thing, like whatever it is that they want to do and not feel like ashamed to actually admit it and pursue it um and so like that is like my ultimate goal um so besides that i also like do want to build a platform for other people to like other artists um to get exposure and kind of like follow in my footsteps in a way um just kind of like letting people know like it's okay to do this all right (laughs) doesn't matter where you came from or like how much money you have Mm -hmm. um I think short-term goals, I would love to show at Miami Art Basel. I think that's such a cool um, place to be. It's just like, you know, in the next few years, like, 
please take me to Matt and Basel. I also would want to like show internationally at galleries and like, you know, uh, I, I get so pumped up about having shows like gallery shows. I just want to do a bunch of those all over the place as often as possible. Um, and I will want to do like residencies. Like I think learning is a huge thing for me. I really want to learn more because I feel like every new experience I have with art, it shows me something else and it's so powerful. It's just like this changed something about it. Even like the show really did change things for me. Um, and it shifted my perspective too. And it's just like, I want more of that. Um, and yeah, that like the residencies is a, is a big thing for me. Um, so it sounds, it does sounds like you're going to reach that, that point that I think all of us have reached, um, all of us in terms of, of working artists that you are going to have to like eventually take the leap and, and in quote unquote, suffer for it a little bit, not in the way that people think you are, but you, you have to give up like some of the financial, um, safety that you have by working a corporate job in order to do this thing. Right. And when you go through that process, it's going to be some time, maybe like who knows how long it's different for everybody, but it's a little bit of time where you're not going to have the same lifestyle, the same income, the same idea of um, financial independence that you, that you are, have come accustomed to with the corporate job, but it's going to be like a clear separation. And how do you feel about that moment? Like when, when you're approaching it, how much of your decision comes down to finances and how much your decision comes down to lifestyle and how much your mm -hmm. decision comes down to um, just weighing the potential overwhelming happiness that you can get from doing your thing? Because I think that's the one thing I, I never quite hear you associate with your corporate job is that happiness, like being in, in France and doing that thing, getting ready for shows, being on, you know, the exhibit and so on and so forth, it seems to give a different feeling. And so what, as a, as you like enter that moment and confront the truth that that feeling does not exactly come with financial gain, <laughs> like immediate financial <laughs> gain, like what, what kind of mind state does that put you into? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say like for me, like a, a huge um part of it is the financial risk of leaving my job and I, and like knowing that there's no safety net and i just like can't ask my parents to take care of me financially like no no one is able to take care of me financially now mm -hmm. besides myself and just like that is scary uh because i don't want to be in that position where i need basically like i need to take these commissions that people are asking me to do that are that seems silly or like i need to um basically sacrifice the type of art that i want to make just to make money you know um and so it is a lot to think about and like i kind of just right now i'm like all right i'm gonna keep doing both until it's not possible anymore and then we'll and then by that point i feel like there'll be some kind of sign being like girl it's time you know <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um 
but yeah, I'm just waiting for that sign. <laughs> I mean, it could be obviously will be like, just quit. But like, hey, like, I don't yeah. think that's the sign. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's always going to be that little bit of nervousness. So, like, I had it. Like, I like I remember preparing to leave my job for like two, three years. And like and the goalpost is always moving because something is going to happen. Like, you know, you're going to you know, you're going to have to replace a tire on your car. You're going to, you know, want to go on a trip with your family. Like something, something's going to happen that requires you to have the money that you are accustomed to. And so it, it becomes much easier to continue to put it off. And I talk about this moment a lot. If I hadn't got laid off from my graphic design job, I don't know if I ever would have left. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but me leaving and being full time, like I didn't have a job or income for a year and 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 more actually like the like substantial income and I'm not talking about like it was a year and a half before I sold one piece like as a full-time artist and I was making prints and spending my severance money did all that stuff this whole time working 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 and I sold one piece after a year and a half I didn't I don't know if I sold another piece for another 3 or 4 months but I definitely wasn't making like enough money to say I was contributing to my household. You know what I mean? Like, thankfully I have my <laughs> wife like as a, as a partner because I supported her getting her PhD. So during this time she supported me as I built my art career and, but it wasn't easy at all. And so I think about that moment a lot and it's still scary. And if I hadn't been forced to do it, like, I don't know, I'd be in the same position as you, like thinking about it, like, man, you know, can I really afford to, uh, give up these things when I got, I had one kid at the time, maybe two. I think, no, it was, <laughs> no, it was after Avery was born. So it was two. So I had two kids and a wife and, you know, a house, like I was doing like a lot of stuff about income. I got dependent on it and, you know, I had to, had to rebuild it. You know, it was, it was quite a journey to get me to where I am now, but like, you know, I'm better for it, like in the end, but like that catalyst, like, you know, you always got to find what the catalyst is going to be for the change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. And, um, I just like, what do you do? Like, what do I, if I don't get laid off and get severance <laughs> and like, no one is taking care of me, like, or no one is here like kind of like pick up the slack. Like, what do I do? Like get on unemployment. I mean, <laughs> I'm really just like, what do you do if you don't have yeah. any money? <laughs> nah, that's true. Yo. That's true. Man, we got to get you a plan, girl. We got to get you get you saving and get you a little cushion so you can make it a little bit easier for you. I know. I know. It's like I have a 401k, and the, but that's a 401k. So that's yeah, still that's like, not like, the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just like, they don't set you up to like leave whenever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be a process and I think you got to be deliberate. And I, and I think that you, especially at your age, like you're you're really young, and so you have a lot of time. Like do the things. Oh, I, I like hearing that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you are like, like late to the game or something like that. You know, a lot of times artists feel like that, like they missed something. Like at the time, like I didn't. I didn't become a full time artist. I was in my thirties, and so I didn't. I didn't take my art seriously until I had my daughter at twenty eight, and that's when I, you know, I was had graduated with my little degree and was doing nothing. <laughs> You Just, had your daughter at 20. How old do you yeah. think I am? What do you mean? How old are you? 
I'm 34. You're 34. I mean, you, you still got plenty of time, but that's what I mean. But <laughs> what that's what I mean is, well, I'm 43. <laughs> so, so, so you still got 10 years to get, to get to where I am at least. Right. But like so much, but I'm only saying it to say, like, I wasn't uh-huh. a full time artist until I was 34. Like I was around your age when I went full time with it, when I got laid off. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, up until that time, I wouldn't, I didn't consider what I was doing to have any, to be any kind of art career. Not really. Like, you know, I was doing stuff like, you know, doing like group shows around Atlanta and doing like the art walks and stuff like that. But I wasn't the stuff that I was making now can then compared to now, like it don't even compare. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. you, like, and you are, you are further along with your talent and what you do than I was at that time. Wow. Yeah. Well, by far, by far. And so, and so part of it is like, you know, I want to be there for you to help you like mm-hmm. think about your career in a different way to think that, like yes you have to take incremental steps but the the steps also have to be deliberate you know what i'm saying like it's it's gotta be at a certain point am i saving this much of my check so i can get this much money so that i can at least have six months or so to be able to work and do stuff and build something but at the same time you have to stay working and and build it so you have some momentum when you do pull the trigger because it's not going to be all right, today, if you leave right now, in six months, you'll be <laughs> successful. Like, nah, nobody's going to tell you that. <laughs> like, that'd be, that'd be irresponsible for me to get up here and promote that idea. But, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? But it's, can't, is there things you should be doing to, like, make sure you get there? Is it, is it going to have to be you doing more shows? You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and being committed, like, in that way. Like, yeah, like, that's, that's what it looks like. And, but it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like we, we gotta, we gotta build this thing <laughs> and hopefully, yeah. you know, get you to get out there and, and do the thing that make you happy. Cause they, it's, it hurts my, it hurts my heart a little bit when I hear people say some of the stuff that you say, like, oh like, no, but no, seriously, because, because I know that feeling I know what it feels like to, I tell a story a lot, excuse anybody listening that has heard this story, but I was a transfer truck driver at U-Haul when I first moved to Atlanta. And so I used to pick up these old raggedy U-Haul trucks from all these far suburbs and bring them downtown. And a lot of times the trucks wouldn't make it. And so I'd be on the side mm-hmm. of the road with my little sketchbook drawing and like the, the truck is rattling as, as like tractor trailers are passing me on the highway. And I'm just Uh-oh. sitting there like, this can't be it. Like, I know what it feels like. I know what I want to do. And here I am on the side of the road in this busted ass U-Haul. Like, this is not, this is not where I belong. And I think that you have that same feeling. Like when you hear, when I hear you talk about like these flashbacks of being in France, that's where you belong. I want it for you. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like, that's where I want you to be because your paintings are so beautiful. You're so talented. You're you're such a lovely person. And I can't, I couldn't stand the thought that you with all this talent don't get to the space that you deserve to be in with your artwork. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I love hearing that. I I mean, it's true. I like when I first started working at a nine to five, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And I've had a job before. I'm just like, I quit. I'm quitting. <laughs> like I I've done it before. 
Uh, and then I was like, what am I thinking? No, I'm not. Gonna. <laughs> I'm like, indeed, indeed. Uh, put in my resume. Like, this isn't going to happen like this. It, like, I've definitely, I've done it twice where I've been like through with this shit. And then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who's going to pay the rent? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, to your point, I think back at that time, I don't even think my art, my art wasn't where it is. Like the pandemic was a turning point for me mm-hmm. artistically, like just having that time to like reflect and like really be intentional. But, I, but you're absolutely right. Like I have to be intentional about making a plan. Well, how I'm going to move, how I'm going to transport myself to the next stage of my life into my next life yeah and you'll get there you'll you'll get it joe i think you will i mean you know it got you on a tv show <laughs> i know i'm like how did i i don't even know how, like where am i, I <laughs> you especially in your position have a lot to gain from like getting an audience like this and getting people to believe in what you're doing and so mm-hmm. you know how do we how do we take a little bit of this energy bottle it up and make something happen for you Mm -hmm. yeah that's why that's why i would ask like what what does an art career look like to you yeah i mean it does it looks like you know me being able to do more shows have agency like teach other people um what do you teach just you know teach other yeah um, i mean okay i've thought about this for a while i would teach adults (laughs) (laughs) not not the baby show you teach the baby show not the what not the babies you wouldn't teach the baby show (laughs) nothing like that (laughs) i mean i would teach my babies and i would teach my nephews but I don't know. I, I mean, you know, you never know until you try it. Like, right. I'm not, I wouldn't yeah. say never, but I think, like, I, I'm the type of person where I'm just, like, I want to work with people who are serious and, like, really, um, you know, want to get something out of this, whether that be therapy. Oh, I've yeah. thought a lot about, like, art therapy for adults, which I guess, you know, it could be art therapy for children, too. Um but I think I like the idea of working with people who are who have the same kind of passion about it that I do. Yeah. And if it's kids, like that's fine. I just I don't know. I think the idea of like, um, because uh, my mom is a teacher. She like she was the math teacher for the longest time, and I just like I know like I used to go to have to go to school with her sometimes. And I'd be like I could never do this. Oh yeah, like yeah. I could never. Like I'm just like. <laughs> just don't yeah. have it in me like these kids would be getting whooped and they're not supposed to be getting whooped <laughs> yeah that'll, that'll get you fired right there that's <laughs> I, know, I know like that's what thing is i'm like i don't know if i could teach kids um maybe you know but i remember even in college having some kids in my class like art classes mm. that were just so disrespectful and i'm just like why are you here it's college you don't have to take this class yeah like if we're learning Tai Chi in the Chinese watercolor class, like why are you trying to make a joke out of it? You know, I just couldn't <laughs> handle it. Like I'm like, well, the prep rest, like yeah, our professors a... being extremely graceful with you. <laughs> but if it were me, no. Oh yeah, if it was me, they, it'd be a little different too. I <laughs> I teach my class different, 
But, but, you know, as you get into teaching, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can teach. Like you can go to, I'm sure Chicago has like community art centers that are for like art classes for like adults, like, you know, mm-hmm. volunteer to teach or some of that stuff. Like, I think you have a lot of options show in terms of like how you look at it, but it is also a matter of like time. So if your job is going to be like the, your major drawback, then like eventually you got to cross that hurdle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I've thought about being like, what if I just ask them if I could just move to like part time? <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. I, I don't think I can do my job part time, honestly. But yeah, it's it, I do need to make a plan. And there's some things I hadn't really thought about. Like I hadn't thought about volunteering to teach and like, you know, the doors that that could open too. And I do, I do like the idea of teaching art in terms of therapy like art therapy because i know that that's another huge part of like why i continue mm-hmm. to do it even when i was by my even even by myself it's like this is good for me yeah i guarantee you i guarantee there are people in chicago that that are doing something like that that if you you know uh you know i uh as seen on the exhibit jennifer warren helping out the art <laughs> therapy class you make it happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know like it's gonna it's gonna look like however you make it look like in the end i think that's what that's what we got to get you to to like understand like and know like what is going to be the value is it is the value in your life going to be the job or the value of life going to be your art like mm-hmm. it's a tough question like you know you're gonna have to you know make some tough decisions along the way but there's no other way to do it you know like it's yeah no other way to make the time and if you know your priority is going to be the job. You're always going to sacrifice your art for the job. And I don't think that's what you want to do. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think that's what anybody that is really into art or wants to be an artist. I don't think that's what any of us wanted to do. Yeah, no, that's true. And it's like, it is true because I'm super motivated when I'm doing my work. Cause I want to do well. Like I'm not the type of person to like half ass and like, you know, slack off or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I'm at work, I'm doing my best and I'm, you know, meeting goals, exceeding goals, all of that, helping other teaching, coaching, like all of it. So I'm just like, okay, <laughs> it's gotta be all or nothing, you know, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, and, uh, but you'll get there. It'll look, it'll look different. It looks different for everybody. So I never like judge anybody's journey, but um, <laughs> it'll look different for you. And however, like whatever your mix of things is together, <laughs> it's what you do. Right. Because I because like now, I, you know, this is, you know, 10 years later into being full time now, like I teach a little bit and I make art a little bit and I curate a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like I do like mm-hmm. I talk and do a podcast like, you know, it's just a, everybody's going to have their own mix of the things that they do. And part of it is like, I think, getting you connected to like these artist networks, because that that sense of isolation that you're talking about when you when you do feel alone and not as supported as you need to be in certain times that can kill you in the inside too. Like in terms of being an yeah. artist and destroy like confidence, like all in the end, that's the kind of stuff that breaks you and gets you, you know, working at, you know, the greeter at Walmart in your sixties <laughs> <laughs> instead, instead of being an artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be broken like that. <laughs> But no, but I, I think it would be great. And I, I know it's a lot of great artists like in Chicago that mm-hmm. are doing a lot of stuff like, you know, Diaspora Rhythms is in Chicago. They're great. 
group of art collectors. Even mm-hmm. people like that would be great for you to hook up with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Part of my thing is expanding my network. Like, like I said, it's like right now my network is just like professional people and I needed to be professional artists or yeah. professional art people. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get you there, girl. We're going to get you there. <laughs> Good. Good. Just tell me what I need to do. <laughs> Yeah. So, so in, in, in that vein, like, as we like wind down, like, is there any questions that you have that I could help you with, or you want to pose a community, maybe somebody to reach out to you and answer your questions or help you out and stuff? Yeah. As, like, how do you build your art network? You know, I think building a network has always been an intimidating thing for me. Like even in my professional career, like that part is just really hard for me to like wrap my head around and not be nervous about. So the way that I did it um, in Atlanta was when I moved down here, I didn't know anybody. I knew my man, Dave, <laughs> and I was chasing my wife. My, my she was my, my ex-girlfriend at the time. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so yeah, so I was chasing her. So like, uh, I didn't know anybody, but I knew like it was a lot of stuff going on down here. And so very shy, very introverted. So I read this book about networking. I'm going to try to find a book and and send it to you. But Uh it was basically like, uh, you know, to get over what you're saying and to build a network, you have to start meeting people. And so every time there was an event, I would go to these art shows, openings, uh, you know, walk around the galleries, all kinds of stuff, wherever, wherever it is that you get to. And And the book told me that I needed to meet three people every time I went somewhere. And mm-hmm. I think that for me was like the big catalyst because it, it gave me permission to or forced me to like embrace my introvertedness <laughs> because it was like, all right, as soon as you talk to three people, you can leave. And so that <laughs> so. All right. Thank you. Like that give you permission to like act a little bit different than how you usually do. And so that's what I would do. I would go to these art shows and anybody that goes to an art opening or an artist talk or. Like um, anytime any of these kind of events, like going to the high museum, all kinds of stuff like that. And just talk to three people. The people there are obviously interested in art. The more, more than likely you will get a chance to talk to the artist that is involved at the time. Unless you, you know, unless it's Kara Walker or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, just the regular local people and you meet three people and you leave. And then eventually, mm-hmm. like you meet, you end up meeting a lot of people and eventually you'll find somebody that you're connecting with because you'll start talking about your art. They'll say, hey, won't you on the exhibit? And you be, <laughs> y'all start talking a little bit. And then like you you just build it from there. So don't think of your network in the, as the big thing just yet. Think of it as connecting to one or two people every time you get a chance. And then over time, you'll get to know a lot of people. But, and over time, uh-huh. you'll get to be intentional about who you want to meet. Because like if you got like an artist that's doing a show and you want to meet them, bam, that person can be a part of your network. If you are just a cool person, you are a very cool person. So like, I don't see nobody what? not, not talking to you. If you, if you went and just went to oh, be good. nice to them. I'm just going to write that down on a piece of paper and put it in my pocket <laughs> for when I go in. Cause I'm introverted too. And be like, Jamal said three people. And he said, I'm a nice person. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, put three um, put three people and leave. That's the important part. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay, yeah. Hi, so, how are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah. thank you. Bye. You're number three. <laughs> That's all you do. Like, hey, I'm Jennifer. Yeah. Now, you know, you ask some, you know, ask some questions about the art, you know, just get to know just a general conversation, like however you do it. And then, you know, yeah. you, you get used to doing it, Joe. And eventually you just, you know, talk to everybody. That's how I mm-hmm. am. That's how I got to be like this. Yeah. You're a good talker. I try, but I'm also very interested in people. That's why I like mm-hmm. in the exhibit flashback to the show. I spent so much time walking around and talking to everybody and seeing what they was working on. I don't think they show that enough. (laughs) They don't. About how much, how much I really like went around and talked to people and like talked for like large periods of time in the challenges I spent talking to other people instead of working. So who knows? I know. I know. I haven't seen yet where you came over and talked to me and I know it happened a lot. Um, But my friends were like, Jamal's personality is carrying the show. <laughs> <laughs> like I know it is. I was like, leave me alone. Like I just want to do my stuff. I have a job here. Like I have a task. I need to get it done. Um, but yeah, my friends are like, like Jamal is the reason. <laughs> like he's he's like all the you know the uh, he is the most interesting personality and all the drama. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> i was like i was like you guys are you might be right <laughs> like, i'm watching the show um um so my other question i guess i i guess we're like this is getting long now but no, we good yo. I, I, we talking i'm gonna chop it up with you 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 my girl yo we chopping it up don't worry about okay. it okay okay because this is yet another thing i think about at my age um how how did you pursue an art career and also build a family and maintain a relationship with your wife and like just build all of that up because that had to be a critical time I mean you said that you had um your kid at 28 so it's just like that's right before you decided to jump ship oh yeah 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 it was and uh (laughs) this is funny because I tell people even when I give people marriage advice like I know how to be married to Jennifer Barber. That's who I know how to be married to. So if your wife don't act like Jennifer Barber, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) My wife is not Jennifer Barber. (laughs) And so, so when, when I think about it like this is that your, your, your marriage and your life is going to be whatever you make it out to be. And so what are the things that you hold precious? When I met my wife in college, she knew that I loved art. I've always loved art. It's been a big part of like everything that I've done. Um, even when I was just doing graphic design, even when I wasn't working in art and in, you know, on that, on the side of the road, on that U-Haul truck, I was still wanted to do art and she knew it because I would, you know, I would still research. I would still like watch art documentaries. I would still read a lot of books. Like it's always been my thing. And so part of it is having a partner and people in your life that understand that about you and support it. I think that's very important because the minute that I have to justify how much time I'm spending in my studio to you is the minute that we can't hang out anymore because that is who I am. Like you don't, you're not going to have Jamal without Jamal 
spending all his like free open time at the studio at the printmaker studio downtown. Like if you want to see me, I'm going to be at the printmaker studio. You can meet me there. We can hang out, but I'm going to be at the studio. And so mm-hmm. she understood that all my friends understand that. That's why most of my friends are either artists or art collectors or like curators or like something to do with the arts because that's so essential to me in maintaining my life, first of all. And so once that hurdle is crossed, it does become a point of like, how much do you want this person in your life? And I love my wife more than like anything. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes to maintain her happiness and make her happy and keep our relationship. Cause the last thing I ever want is for her to feel unsatisfied and leave me. Like that would be, <laughs> I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to take that. And so just having those two priorities and being able to like focus on it to me, it's, it's easy. And I know it doesn't sound easy, <laughs> but to me, it is so easy to be giving up to the things that I really love. And so my daughter's mm-hmm. the same way. I wouldn't have my art career if it wasn't for my daughter, because having my daughter motivated me in a way that nothing else has ever motivated me. Even my wife, mm-hmm. even as much as I love art, like seeing her and thinking, I can't not give her me in the way that I want to be seen. So I want to make sure that she sees her father accomplish the things that he's always wanted to do. And Mm. art is my thing. And I can't talk about art and want to do art more and then not then show her like it's like half ass. Like, I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain it like that, but like. No, it makes sense. Yeah. But I, I can't not be my full self as an artist and and not give that to my daughter to be able to see like you can accomplish your dreams. Like if you really love something like you should focus on it, so on and so forth. And so. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, I needed to I needed to do that for her in my mind. And so that mm-hmm. made me go even more intense. So it, it wasn't like she became a burden to me. She became a, a ignition for me. Like she started mm-hmm. this whole thing where I was like, yo, I really got to get it now. <laughs> like now you're a role model. Yeah, like now I'm a role model. Now I'm a father. Now I'm like, you know, now I got to provide. Like if I got this little bitty job, but if I can make extra money with my art, I should do that. That's what I was thinking. Um, mm-hmm. and now having the art be everything that all my money comes from art now. So like, that's even better in which you can see, like you can work hard and commit yourself to a goal and you can do it and be good at it. You know what I'm saying? If you put your best foot forward and, you know, make the right moves and make smart decisions, all that good stuff, you know, father stuff, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it completely changed. So part of it is like, I needed it. I needed my daughter and my family to motivate me and inspire me to keep going. Like my art now is about my family and my daughter. They kept me sane through the pandemic. And so, mm-hmm. so I, I can't separate that part from my art. And to me, it's, it's easy because I'll give anything for it. And if you feel like that, then that's how you should act and that's how you should live. And so it's not, I'm not saying that it would be easy for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your, what your situational partnership is in your life. But like, if your partner doesn't support that part of you, then I don't know if it would work long-term anyway. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you wouldn't, I doubt if you could meet a partner now, that wouldn't be like, hey, Jen, you need to go do your paintings. Like anybody, <laughs> anybody that wouldn't tell you that is not trying to, 
like seriously be with you because it, yeah. you know I don't even know you like that and I'm telling you that <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying yeah well it's yeah I'm very discerning and I I think what I'm hearing here is forget the partner but have a kid no I'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, I don't even have any prospects. So I'm not even like close to being in a relationship. Cause I feel like if I were in a relationship, this might actually be easier to do given mm. it being the right person. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. So it's like, I'm on my own. I don't have a kid. So I'm just like, the motivation is all coming from within. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's like really nice. That, that I like that that you felt you know you need to be a role model and i've seen it happen to my siblings too when they have children and then all of a sudden everything is different yeah. um yeah so i i understand what you're saying yeah. yeah and sometimes you just need something dramatic to change your mind state and so you'd be surprised how much of like especially being an artist is about how much you commit to it and how much you how hard you try to do it and when you see once you actually like do get into that mode, you'll see how what you were doing before would never have got it done. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when I really became full-time, I really started making stuff. I made it at such a pace and such a intensity that I realized like what I was doing before was never going to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. was never, there's no way to like half-ass uh, time into it and then get all the things you want out of it. There's no way it would work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like after I finished the solo show, I was like, I couldn't continue working like that for any long period of time. Yeah. And and that's the bad thing is like that's how hard you have to work in order to get it to be prepared. Because I get this example a lot of my classes where it's like a gallery depends on you to be um consistent in your in your practice and consistent in your quality. And so when they call you, they want 15 pieces from you no matter what's happening and then mm -hmm. the next time they call you if they sold if they if you give them 15 pieces and the next week they sell five of them they want five more they don't want to know like oh well now i gotta you know take me six more months to get five more pieces like you know nobody's really going for that unless you're amy cheryl right <laughs> and cheryl make, <laughs> make like 15 pieces a year like that's it like you know suck it you know what i'm saying but you know, until until you get to that level, until you get to that point, you got to go out there and hustle it up. It's like you were doing, like selling the bracelets and stuff, like you selling paintings, you making the paintings, yo, you doing the thing. And so the more time you commit to doing that part of it, the process of it becomes easier because the more you make stuff, the easier you know it is to make stuff. And yeah, now, now, the, now just the thoughts and the concepts start to change, but the actual work of it, you start to figure out your workflow as you go. and. Like it, it all starts to take care of itself after a while. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that I'm inspired. <laughs> You're inspiring. You're inspiring people on the show. <laughs> yo, there's so many messages out there. It's like, yo, you know, she's a self-taught artist. She, she made me feel great. I like, I really understand her journey. They love you, yo. He <laughs> <laughs> did. Yeah. They love you. I think you're doing a great job, yo. And, and, you know, as we, you know, get around and you become, you look, you're part of my network. I don't know about everybody else, <laughs> what I, however they feel, but yeah. I think you're part of my network now. And I, I want it, like I said, I want it for you. Like you, you're mm -hmm. much too talented to be, to feel like 
you want to do the thing and you can't like you're way too talented for that and so mm-hmm. you know anything we got to do to get you get you to the place you want to be yo that's what we got to do yeah i like that i like to hear it thank you yeah this is super helpful it's like really inspiring conversation i'm ready to like go into my back room and work on the piece that i said i was working <laughs> on there you go yo. that's all you gotta do and yeah so you know you you you, you know my friend now so we gotta bring you back on the podcast later and talk about more work as you created i want to see more of this series that you got with the cars and stuff i think i saw one picture that you posted um yeah somewhere and it, it looked good and i was like yo what is this like you man made me interested so you know that's the that's the beginning yo that's all you need yeah you definitely will have to talk about it again um too because i'm still like working out you know the concept of it like i know i have like you know 20 paintings i could do in my head but uh getting them done is a different story and then explaining them is also another story oh yeah that's the that's the good stuff (laughs) (laughs) that's the good stuff i did i did get very good at talking about my artwork that that's one thing i I did learn that helped me out a Mm -hmm. lot yeah yeah well all right no that's good stuff yo thank you for coming on the show girl you know what i'm saying we're gonna tune into the exhibit to see how everything goes (laughs) you know right yeah (laughs) <laughs> i know i'm like what's gonna happen yeah who knows hmm. who knows hmm. people ask me all the time don't you know who won do i do i know who won <laughs> oh I, I don't remember it's so long ago like i'm watching it just like you <laughs> exactly yo but tell them where they can get in contact with you where they can see more of your work and where they can you know lend their support and you know start to build networks with you all that good stuff yeah so uh my website is jennifer warren art dot com um that's where i blog about the show that's where i post all my new artwork all my prints um limited editions and just a lot of uh, everything that's going on um press shows everything goes my website so check that out (laughs) my instagram is jennifer warren underscore art and yeah i mean anybody can dm me hit me up i'm I'm like really i'm the type of person that likes to respond to things like instantly so i hate having pending <laughs> text so i'm just saying like if you yeah. hit me up i will see it um if i don't respond it's because i'm not going to but <laughs> almost, it only happens if i think you're a scammer so don't hit me up and try to scam me because no you won't get a response <laughs> um no scam but yeah I, any, i'm any, like anybody looking for that um uh uh anniversary present for their for their wife between three hundred and five thousand dollars don't even bother those <laughs> people are scams <laughs> i hate that i almost got caught up the first time i ever saw that i was like oh yeah you want me to you want <laughs> send me a check for more than what my art is why and then you know people now i want to buy your art as an nft it's not an nft so you can't <laughs> It's all the time. Yeah. Hi, I like your art. Can I commission you to do this? Like, no. (laughs) So many. I'm just like, why are you trying to scam me? Like, what do you have to gain? Yeah. Come on, yo. Don't do it, yo. (laughs) But it's Jennifer Warren. Thank you for coming on the show, yo. We're going to keep in touch with you. You a friend of the show. You Studio Noise fam now, yo. So can't wait to see what's next for you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Big shout out to my co-star from the exhibit, Jennifer Warren. She's on the way, baby. You got to check her out. Next week, we coming back with more from the exhibit. We got Dumma T. Pongo, the host, MTV superstar, right here on The Noise. And all my artists out there. It don't matter if you on no TV show. I won't always on no TV show. I was in the basement, grinding, making that noise, baby. And that's what you got to do. Keep working till you get there, baby. We all going to get our chance, our time. Your time is coming. Believe it. It's your boy, Jay Barber. Studio Noise. I'll see you next week. I'm out. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.